And, and basically he would believe in Marxism. Now he does not believe in atheism or anything like that. He does not believe in any current government you know, embodies Marxism. But he does not believe in capitalism. And, uh, you know, on this last trip, he, uh, I was with several brethren, and he began to say some really, I thought, difficult things to hear about American capitalism and so forth. He did not mean those offensively to me at all. We're very close. I love him. He loves me. Known him since he was a baby. Um, but in that, he said some things which aren't here. And I at one point said, I said, you know, that's somewhat offensive. And he understood what I meant by that and immediately changed his tone. I'm not sure I should have even said that. Um, it's difficult. In Brazil, they don't like Americans in general. They like the Americans they know. They don't like Americans in general. And uh, you hear some things that it's like, hmm, you know, I need to defend myself here. Or I need to defend my people. But that's what I need to do. They don't need to be Americans. They don't need to like Americans. They don't need to be capitalists. They don't need to have my political philosophies. They need to serve the Lord. And, and I, it's hard. You know, I don't think of myself as being especially patriotic. I think Christians, being citizens of heaven, are not especially patriotic. But I grew up here. I'm American. And, uh, you know, I think there's some pretty good things about the U.S. There's some things I like. And uh, there's some things I, I somewhat value as a personal thing. And yet... If I go over to Brazil waving the American flag and making sure they all know how great America is, I'm really at least distracting, if not hindering. You know, that they don't need to be Americans and we don't need to be Brazilians. And, and, but to do that is hard. It's hard to sacrifice your freedom to be your kind of person and to, you know, defend your you know, time-honored beliefs and philosophies and things like that. You think about Jesus. You, you talk about somebody who was willing to give up freedom. I mean, he shared the condition of the people he served. He became fully a man. Subject to all the things men are subject to. I mean, that had to have been difficult. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. He suffered. And, and Paul's goal was to win others, to put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. So he became a Jew to the Jews, a Gentile to the Gentiles, weak to the weak. Again, it's hard to do that. It's hard not to think that my way of doing things and my culture isn't God ordained. You know, I mean, when it's all said and done, we do things the right way around here, you know? And if other people don't, they just need to fit in with us. And I'm not even just talking about nationalities. We think that is who we are. There are people in the U.S. that I don't agree with. I don't agree with the ball team they, they root for. You know, I don't agree with their political stance. You know, I don't agree with other things about how they do things and what their way of life is. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty ridiculous. And yet, now we're not talking about biblical stuff. Just talking about this is the way I think is best to be. 
and, and not to insist that everybody has to do things my way. It's difficult. I want you to think about some applications in the Bible. Think about Paul's becoming a Jew to the Jews. There are some things Paul did that are rather surprising, I think. He, uh, he took vows. In Acts 18, Acts 21, I think he probably took a Nazarite vow. And I actually think he was in the temple offering sacrifices of purification. Which is a little hard to swallow, but I think that was a part of what he did in identifying with the Jews. Now one of the things you've got to remember is the Old Testament was not just God's moral law. It was the Jewish constitution. This was their, their, this was their Jewish rule. I mean, you think about the Passover. The Passover was a, a feast of the Lord, but it was their 4th of July. You know, it was their emancipation. And so it was a cultural thing for the Jews, not just a worship thing toward God. And so Paul would, as a, in, 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 in working with Jews, he would submit to Jewish vows and things like that. Now, he would not give in on discriminating against the Gentiles. When Peter withdrew from eating with the Gentiles, he fronted him out about it in Galatians chapter 2, very forcefully and firmly. So this wasn't a matter of imposing Jewishness on Gentiles. He would not stand for that. But it's a matter of culturally adapting himself to the Jews. He would do that. You think about how he would, uh, he, he circumcised Timothy. Of all people, Paul had Timothy circumcised, I believe, because Timothy A was a half-Jew. And a half-Jew not circumcised, it would have really hindered the effectiveness of his evangelism to Jews. They just wouldn't have listened to him. And he was, you know, circumcision would not be a pleasant process for an adult. And Timothy was willing to go through that. Paul was willing to ask him to. So as not to be a barrier to his relationship with Jews and to his teaching the gospel. And then, on the other hand, Paul would not allow Titus to be circumcised. A, Titus was a Gentile. But also because that was in the context where brethren were requiring circumcision of Gentiles as a means of being saved. Paul would not give in to brethren who were demanding that their rules be followed as a condition of salvation. Now, I think that leads us to thinking about some things. Let's see if I don't know if I've got anything here that's I want with that. Maybe not. Okay. It leads us to uh, think about some things and how we apply this. We give up our rights so as not to hinder the spread of the gospel and for the spiritual good of our brethren, we don't cater to people who bind their opinions or impose extra rules on others. That's kind of a delicate balance. It is kind of a challenge when Paul asked Timothy to be circumcised and refused to let anybody circumcise Titus. But I think once you understand the principles, and once you think that through, and you see how Paul applied this, then that makes a lot of sense. Yes, you know, he would sacrifice rights to bless people with the gospel, but he would never allow some opinionated brother to issue decrees and make demands on brethren. 
So, Paul gave up his right to be supported in the gospel and his right to be free in order to fit people's culture to work with them and not be a hindrance in the gospel. I realize some of those things lead to lots of things to think about and, uh, and maybe various kinds of applications. You have some questions and comments in verse 23. Yes? Never thought about that. The question is, uh, if Paul took a Nazarite vow, would have kept him from taking communion? I think I had thought about that once, but I'd forgotten it. So I don't have a good answer. Somebody have an answer to that? Some of you probably do agree with me it was a Nazarite vow. I don't know how to answer that. Okay. Well, always more questions than answers. Yes? Certainly, I believe he would have taken communion. So I don't, I don't think he would have disobeyed God to fit the Jews. Mike called into question whether it was a Nazarite vow or did he just infringe slightly on the Nazarite vow? The cutting of a hair makes me think it was probably a Nazarite vow. Other questions and comments? Yes, Stacey. Yes. yes, exactly. The gospel is a transcultural message and it's not uh, it's not inhibited to reach out to people with various kinds of backgrounds and traditions. That is a remarkable thing. Of course, remember God created all men. And, and essentially God has superintended culture. God understands everyone. But it's amazing that the gospel is so, in many ways, transforming and directive. And yet there are some ways in which it's extremely flexible and adaptable to people in every kind of situation. Uh, it's a little bit some of the stuff we were talking about uh, yesterday as well. And uh, it's an encouraging thing. Uh, to think about in connection with the gospel, the passage in chapter 7, verses 17 to 24, you can remain in your calling, should remain in your calling, and uh, the gospel is applicable in that. So that is a remarkable feature of the gospel. Uh, the more you read in the scriptures, the more you think about it, the more amazing it is what God's done. Yes, Lane? One thing I'm challenged with by this is that becoming all things to all men, even trying to take on your enemies, per se, some of these Jewish, some of these Jewish brethren of Paul's were trying to take his life, were trying to chase him out of town, and he was still avidly trying to match their culture and trying to reach out to them. And I think today maybe one of our, uh, you know, with, uh, comparisons to that might be the Islamic culture in some ways. Yeah, the point is that you know it's amazing. Paul continued to try to adapt to the Jews. Think about what the Jews, in many cases, were trying to do to him. And that he would still love them and sacrifice rights for them is amazing. Perhaps we should make a, you know, uh, application of that to our attitude toward the Islamic culture and others. It's hard to want to reach out to certain kinds of people with the gospel, especially if we know they have it in for us, either personally or ethnically or whatever. And yet Paul would reach out to, to Jews and Gentiles, even if he knew they were against him. 
trying to reach out to them with the saving gospel. Hi.
I believe I would have known it if anybody had talked to her about that era. I was 92, I think. You know, things were different even back then. As far as I know, no one did. In a few months, he didn't wear it anymore. He became more comfortable and confident in surroundings. And Athens, even among non-Christians, was not a particularly uh, favorable culture for that sort of thing. Uh, you know, that was a cultural matter. Thank God nobody tried to impose their culture on him. Now, it might be if I was preaching to a rural group of older people, I would choose not to wear anything so as not to create an offense to them. But I sure wouldn't want someone to impose some rule that God hasn't imposed uh, because I don't like those things and I don't think they're good. You know, I, 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 that may be offensive to people on both sides of that. But I think those are the kinds of things we have to deal with. We're trying to understand when do I restrict my right for the sake of the gospel? When do I not allow anybody to impose some rule of theirs because they don't like something? That, that's the challenge. And uh, it's really hard to think objectively about those things. Because the truth is, I feel pretty strongly what I feel. And, and the way I think it ought to be, it's hard for me to see it some other way. You know, it's hard for me to see how some brother can be a good, sincere brother who doesn't do things the way I do. How can he think that this is okay when I know it's not? So we have to go back to the scriptures a lot. I would also suggest, this is maybe going farther with this than I need to, but maybe justifying what I said a little bit, I want you to think about Jesus. Jesus was very careful to do exactly what the Lord wanted. But Jesus did things that from a Jewish perspective must have seemed really bad. He broke their Sabbath rules right and left. He didn't wash his hands before he ate. He didn't accept their, their fasting uh, rules and regulations. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. And he did things that were very shocking and that seemed very loose. I can imagine Jewish father in Jesus' day, warning his children, don't you listen to him too much. He'll mislead you. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't hold to the strict traditions that we believe. You can think about all that. That may have led to all sorts of conversation. I'll let that go a little bit. Thoughts and comments? Yes? Perhaps my question is answered by Heidi's comment about Matthew 18, verse 
Okay? The question is, how much do you adapt to people's religious beliefs in order not to be offensive to them? Um, I don't know if I have any kind of a great answer. One thing you would always do is be concerned to do what the Lord's will was. There are plenty of religious beliefs and practices that are just wrong. And so if it's wrong, I can't do it, even if it's offensive. Certainly you don't see Paul or others shying away from challenging things that were wrong either. They were, they were not trying to just sound good and be pleasant and make everybody like So they were willing to speak boldly. Paul would go to Athens and he'd say, I, I can see you're really religious. And he started respectfully. And you've got this altar to an unknown God. I'd like to tell you about it. But what he said about that unknown God ultimately was, God's going to command you to repent of your idolatry. So he didn't pull punches. We're not trying to just make people like us or make the gospel attractive. Um, but I don't know that we would want to just um, be personally offensive. There are certainly some things that are cultural religious. And uh, if, if someone's culture involves them wearing a you know, shawl at all times or total head, face covering or whatever, I don't know that we would object to that or try to stop them from that. Um, well, how far to go beyond that? I don't know. That, they're great questions. I mean, these are the challenges. You know, when it comes to applying these principles, in specific situations are very difficult. Some of them we've thought through more than others as well. Somebody may have some help with all this. Yes, Eric. Uh, one example of it is there's some, there's some religious people that will only use the King James Version. And if you have an opportunity to study with them, don't insist on using the ESG or whatever standard. Just get a King James. Yes, I agree. Some religious people only would use the King James. You could study with them out of that. Would say the same thing about the Catholic Bible. Might not say the same thing about the New World Translation, but uh, you know, the Jehovah's Witness Bible. But those are challenges. And and when we recognize the legalistic binding of a specific translation. That has its own set of challenges. We may need to challenge that at some point. So, yes, Rachel.
Yes. Sometimes all we need to do is ask. A lot of people don't expect us to meet their Good point. Yes, that's exactly right. I, I, it's not necessary for us to, in some sort of unnatural way, try to just be what they are. There's there's a balance there, and I think certainly as an American Brazil, they don't expect me to be Brazilian in every way. There's some things that are natural American things that they understand and would expect. It would seem almost ridiculous to try to be Brazilian in every sense. But I will say this, that this was cool to me. This was about 12 or 13 years ago. <laughs> well, it shows you what it gets it, but the, the mother of the boy I was describing was Marxist. She was just talking to me, and well, maybe your kids. And she went on a tirade about the U.S. And I knew what she was doing. She's a very gentle, spirited person, very concerned not to be offensive. She forgot I was American. I mean, she knew I was American. It didn't dawn on her when she was saying all that. It was really a migrant. Because it was one of the few times that a Brazilian really said what they thought. But whoa, it was like a 10-minute troop. And about two days later, she came to me apologizing. Felt terrible. And it dawned on her what she'd done. You know, I felt good that she felt like she could do that. They, I, just the fact that I was American, you know, I was a friend. We hadn't known her for years. You know, it just, it didn't really, that wasn't the thing she was thinking about at that point. That was cool to get to that point. Kind of bad to hear all that, but good also. <laughs> yes? I would encourage us all to pray for women. We need, we need pray for wisdom. Amen. And we don't have all the answers. And, 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 and again, we've been talking about we're seeking to understand principles. Applications are going to be difficult. We're going to have to work through those. There's not some rule book that will give you all the applications. Here they are. That's, that's what we don't have. But I think pray for wisdom is an excellent idea. Yes? I think selflessness comes uh, play a lot in these certain situations. Um, if God does not find it, or lose it in any certain way in Scripture, yet you're dealing with somebody who would rather you do something or, or not do something or wear something or not wear something. If it's not revealed in Scripture or applied in any such way, do it. Just selflessly, I mean, if it's going to lead to them to feel more comfortable with you, it doesn't matter whether you really prefer to do it or not. Just do it. Uh, it especially if it's if it's not sinful. Um, if it's something that just makes you feel uncomfortable, but think about what you know. What's more important, your comfort in this situation, or their comfort because they they need to be reached. Which is the the lesson. We love others. Our goal is to serve them, to reach to them with the gospel. We're seeking to be unselfish and to really seek to have the spirit of the Lord in what we do. That's the that's the heart we need to have. When we seek the right heart, it will be easier to make the correct applications. So those are the things to think about. Yes? Paul's focus on trying to develop them,
definitely need to develop our faith and understanding. That's why we're studying. We're seeking to understand more deeply. We want to please the Lord. We want to serve others. So we're trying to understand this more deeply. We're going to have questions the rest of our life. We're never going to be sure that every detail is exactly the best application. We'll try to make the best ones we can. Really good to have these discussions. I'm pleased for that. I thought that would be the case more today as we get into some of these passages. And uh, so it's, it's certainly profitable to us to do that. We are going to take a break and have lunch. I'm sure that will be uh, offensive to anyone.